One thing optometry has been missing is a unified message that explains the importance of eye care. Now, OYE Broadcasting has solved that dilemma. We're excited to announce this content delivery service that is designed to expand and enhance your practice and grow the industry of optometry as a whole. Please visit OYEbroadcasting.com for more information and sign up today. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe my sight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Hello and welcome to the Open Your Eyes podcast. I'm Dr. Kerry Gelb, the host of the documentary, Open Your Eyes. Please visit the film's website at openyoureyes2020.com, featuring interviews with more than 50 optometrists from around the country, sharing information on eye care and eye disease. If you're new here and you like our interviews, press like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell to get notifications of great new interviews. Also, please leave comments. According to the American Optometric Association, Adding powerful vitamins, antioxidants, and minerals to your diet can not only improve your vision and overall health, but can reduce the risk of certain serious eye diseases, such as macular degeneration and cataracts. Today's guest, Shrewsbury, New Jersey-based optometrist, Dr. Netta Joya, uses whole body nutritional lifestyle to protect and preserve eye health in her patients. Dr. Joya holds a CNS, Certified Nutrition Specialist, she regularly lectures and appears on podcasts. We serve together as OWNS board members, the Ocular Wellness and Nutrition Society, dedicated to importance of wellness and nutrition for visual performance and ocular health, including both prevention and management. Netta, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Dr. Gelb. I'm so excited to be presenting this with you and uh, increasing our knowledge about nutrition and optometry. You know, it's so great we're on this uh, panel together, this board, and we get to discuss, you know, really our passion, nutrition and wellness. And, you know, it's a subject I've been studying for years. You know, we get a little bit in optometry school, but most of this is stuff that we learn on our own. Uh, we have to self-study. Absolutely. And that's the one uh, problem in the medical community, not just in optometry, it's that if you're interested in nutrition, you have to really do it on your own and figure out and navigate a path. Um, and that's why we're, we're actually lucky as optometrists to have the Ocular Wellness and Nutrition Society that even exists uh, compared to other fields. So um, yeah, we need more and more doctors like yourself that believe in it and want to expose the um, underlying uh, issues with nutrition. And when you look at what we do, you know, we deal with people with cataracts and macular degeneration, dry eye, diabetes. Nutrition is a very, nutrition and lifestyle is a very important part of this to help decrease progression of these diseases. Absolutely. And uh, we have to always respect the, you know, the classic um, medicinal treatment plans, of course, but there's really no harm and no reason not to integrate a lifestyle change, a stress reduced uh, reduction change, a nutritional intervention, uh, a supplement intervention to help complement that disease process and reduce those risk factors. So 
it, it just works. And um, the more doctors we have well-versed in this, the more patients that will appreciate uh, what they get. About 60% of the population has some kind of chronic disease. And you're a very big proponent of the team approach. Talk about that for a minute. Uh, the team approach, I, I'm sure you, you've had patients that see multiple specialists in different, um, in different parts, you know, the, the, they have a orthopedic, they have a cardiovascular doctor, and all these docs don't really talk much to each other. And if we did, sometimes one thing that they know may help something in the eyes or vice versa. So as long as we're in conversation with the patient and with their physicians, that team approach, if we can keep it going, we can get better answers as to how to help the patient. And that's also bringing nutrition into the mix um, because a lot of these doctors don't refer to nutritionists um, where patients may actually be really benefit from a nutrition um, consultation. And you study functional medicine. If you could explain what that is. Um, functional medicine is, is an amazing field. Um, it's an organized medical uh, system approach to really treat the root cause and the underlying problem that can cause a chronic disease. Um, instead of looking at the disease, it's looking at the patient. Uh, and it becomes almost like a, a um, very specialized field for just the patient approach versus a disease approach one size fits all. And it's a growing field, um, much more than when I even started in the past five years. I think it's, it's really just catapulting. There's even a residency program that has started. It's so interesting because they talk about treating the cause rather than just treating symptoms. And, you know, sometimes you, you, you think about it, you know, in, in conventional medicine, we really just many times just treat symptoms. Yeah, and that's, that's where there's a problem because the symptom is just the symptom. It may not even be the actual reasoning why the patient's having a, a problem. The symptom may make a, patient, uh, a functional medicine doctor look at underlying problems such as deficiencies, um, poor imbalances, inflammatory markers that might be causing that symptom versus just you know giving a medication that uh, masks the symptom. You know, most people think that eye doctors, all we do is glasses and contacts. They don't realize the complexity of the eye. If you could speak to that. Um, being in the eye care field for about 15 years and you as well being in it for many, many years, how many times have we had a patient that we had to refer for something really problematic, whether it be a stroke issue, uh, a gut issue? Um, it's it's basically the window to a lot of health problems. And we see a lot of health issues through the eye. We are able to visualize the vascular system, uh, the nervous system. And also we can see problems with um, antioxidants and uh, issues with balancing um, uh, nutrition even in the eye with uh, markers that we see. Even early cataracts can be an issue with poor antioxidants. Um, so eye care is not glasses care, it's primary care. And you, we have to really just go with that. Um, I like to call myself a primary care eye doctor 
versus just an eye doctor, because we are really the primary care um, for a lot of patients. You know, there's been a push to, toward telemedicine over the last couple of years because of what we've been going through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, we, you know, we kind of been forced over those months to do some telemedicine consultations. But the eye is so complex, it doesn't really lend itself very well to, me- to telemedicine. Absolutely not. It's, um, and I actually, I do believe in telemedicine. Um, there's two things that, that obviously you lose is one is if you have to do certain testing, which is pretty much impossible to visualize, even with um, certain types of scanning systems, we still catch things with, uh, with being in interaction with the patient one-on-one in person versus reviewing a scan it's complementary to each other. And we lose out on that patient-based approach where we're actually having a nice conversation with somebody and they understand maybe how we are sitting, how we're talking our body language that can portray a better way of um, teaching a patient about their condition. A lot of things get lost. And also another thing that may get lost is with our elderly population that are not very, uh, computer savvy, some of them. And it's, it's sad because it does really kind of niche what type of patient you, you expose yourself to with some of the telemedicine that has been um, introduced in eye care. And, you know, the eye is so complex. There's a whole neurological component to it. Absolutely. And then you're dealing with the retina and the lens and the front surface of the cornea and the tears and the lids and, this is so, it's just so complex. It's, Absolutely. you know, it's very hard to make a, an armchair diagnosis. You know, it's sometimes with a red eye, you know, we could do it, but with the more complex conditions, you know, we use in eye care, very sophisticated technology. That's something that's very difficult to do over, you know, over a computer or a Zoom call. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and the technology keeps advancing. So, um, you know, having a patient physically in your office, you're able to really triage so much more than virtually because some of, and some of these scans, you just can't, can't even do it virtually and you can't even translate it into a virtual. Um, and they're really, really important, some of these scans. Uh, one scan that we have is the OCT and I see some amazing things with this. Um, and I don't know how that would, come about if I had a virtual exam with someone. Um, Not to say that there is value too, where we can even at least refer the patient to somebody that they need to go to with a good assessment of their history, et cetera. But yes, I'm in total agreement. Eye care and telemedicine care, it's not an easy blend. And, you know, sometimes you've talked about your story, what got you involved in functional medicine and you would be able to share that with us. Um, absolutely. I, I will quickly go through it because it is a long story <laughs> and I don't want to uh, make this into a, a medical history about myself. But um, I was, you know, I, I loved optometry. I did what everyone did. I graduated, had a good, good um, job. Um, and then at the age of 31, I got hit with this very unusual diagnosis uh, called trigeminal neuralgia where I was, I was just going into the level of disability. I was in so much pain. 
I couldn't really work. I couldn't, I couldn't function. And it was out of nowhere. And I thought it was out of nowhere. That's what I was told. And, you know, I went to very high level physicians in high level um, academic uh, universities with no answers. And um, I was on a lot of medication, a lot to keep my pain down. And sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time. I had to move to Seattle and I was exposed to naturopathic medicine and to functional medicine. And I was, I had nothing to lose. My other option was exploratory brain surgery where I did not want to jump to because it was exploratory. And I said, why, why don't I try this functional medicine thing? And when I do something, I do something very full force. Um, and I took on functional medicine as a patient, very, very aggressively. And I don't know what happened, but let's just put it this way. One year I was pain-free, medication-free, and that's what charged my battery to go back into the optometry field with this as a mission because I, it is in my soul to help people even expose them to functional medicine, especially with chronic illnesses that have no answers. Um, I just became healthier. I made my family healthier and now I can talk about it. And I want to say, I want to sell it because I lived it and I, and I believe in it truly um, because without functional medicine, I would not be here even speaking or even, you know, working as a general optometrist. Now, a lot of people, a lot of us really get into this is because, you know, we have a condition and, you know, nobody's really able to help us until we're, we could find a doctor or sometimes you have to figure it out on your own, what the cause of the problem is. So once you figure out the cause and many times, then we could, we could figure out things that we could do to help these type of patients. You talk a lot about functional foods. What are functional foods and, you know, how do they help our optimal health and what do they contain? Functional foods contain um, like enhanced nutrients. The best one I would say is called phytochemicals, which is kind of like an umbrella of um, different compounds of mostly plant-based um, compounds that help with uh, immunity, help with um, detoxification, uh, help with any type of disease, um, aging, uh, anti-cancer. So these chemicals are found in plants. The problem with phytochemicals, I think the biggest issue, it's, it's a little bit on the newer side, even in nutrition and the research and the information about it is just constantly updating and increasing because we don't really talk about phytochemicals and phytonutrients um, as much as micro and uh, macro and micronutrients such as like carbs, fats, et cetera. The uniqueness of phytochemicals and optometry is that we're actually fairly well-versed in carotenoids. This has been a word that we've used so many times and even in optometry school, unbeknownst to us, we have been teaching our patients about phytochemicals and we can really stand with a lot of these uh, functional medicine docs and nutritionists uh, in this arena because we actually have 
a decent exposure to it, especially in the carotenoid family, which is a type of phytochemical. Um, we also have polyphenols, which includes like resveratrol, quercetin, uh, flavonoids. Um, there's many class classifications and a lot of them have words that I probably can't even pronounce and it keeps increasing because there's thousands upon thousands of them. But the ultimate goal is to increase the amount that we get in our diets. So again, we talk about a micro and micro, uh, macronutrients, but we also need to talk about phytochemicals and how to add into our general daily intake. You know, with, with phytonutrients and these plant chemicals that we get nutrition from different types of vegetables mm -hmm. and fruits, uh, when it comes to the eye, what are some of the most important carotenoids and what, what foods contain them? Um, I think with, with the eye, our biggest classification is the carotenoid family, as you said, and lutein and zeaxanthin being one of the uh, two of the top ones. Um, lutein foods, uh, which are high in your general kales, your spinaches, um, in some of the berry family, even we can find um, these these types of phytochemicals that really help the macular zone, actually the whole eye. There's even new research about glaucoma and lutein and zeaxanthin. Um, the one thing about lutein and zeaxanthin is that they're fat soluble. So we have to be cognizant of that, um, how to eat them because absorption is also a problem with some of the phytochemicals. So going into bell peppers, the yellows, the orange bell peppers, are wonderful. Even the yellow of a yolk, uh, yolk of an egg is phenomenal for lutein. And we need to start young talking about lutein because it's actually something that's really great for brain health for kids, um, not just the eye, but the eye, it, it does accumul accumulate in the macula um, selectively. So we have to be cognizant of that. Those are the top two. Um, not to say that I don't also recommend other um, phytochemicals such as resveratrol, and I even recommend quercetin. Um, I find that it's very valuable with vitamin C as a, uh, as a marriage. Um, curcumin as well, which is another fat-soluble phytochemical, which has been found as a very potent anti-inflammatory for the eye, for various eye diseases. Um, you know, beta carotene also, I find that patients get that naturally, typically um, in a lot of the, the plant-based foods that they eat, such as carrots, et cetera. And that does have to be converted at some point for vitamin A. Um, so those are my top choices. Now, the amount that we get is the problem. We don't really get enough. And I think that's the problem with most of these phytochemicals is that we, we don't even know how much we're getting because it's not a part of the nutritional facts behind like a label on a box. Um, I have a feeling fast forward with functional medicine integrating more and more and more, we're gonna start seeing how to measure it in foods and how to hit certain targets um, for dietary intake versus just supplementation, of course. Let's break down the eye and some of these nutrients. So let's start with the lens of the eye. Uh, there's been a number of studies with lutein and zeaxanthin and decreasing cataracts. If you could talk a little bit about that for a minute. Well, cataracts, as we all know, it's, it's basically an aging of the eye, right? 
um, and antioxidants, anti-inflammatory things help us reduce our aging factors. Lutein and zeaxanthin penetrates the eye. We know that as just a general uh, understanding. Um, lutein and zeaxanthin in particular, they really help with every part of the eye, including the lens, which it is susceptible to oxidation, right? So with its carrier molecules, it can help reduce um, reactive oxygen species, which uh, increase oxidation, which increases aging, and that cascade can be reduced. In addition to vitamin C, I mean, I love vitamin C for the eyes too. Um, it's, it's actually one of the highest concentrations is in the eye outside of the adrenals and other, a uh, few other organs, but we get a lot of vitamin C in the eyes too. One thing optometry has been missing is a unified message that explains the importance of eye care. Now, OIE Broadcasting has solved that dilemma. We are very excited to announce the first subscription-based monthly content delivery service that will not only enhance and expand your practice, but elevate the industry. Please visit oiebroadcasting.com and sign up today. That's oiebroadcasting.com. Yeah, and vitamin C, there's been a number of studies that show that vitamin C will, will decrease your risk of cataracts as well. Now, Ann Coleman, who's an epidemiologist, Many, many years ago, because you brought up glaucoma, she did some studies that show that people who ate a lot of vegetables with lutein and zeaxanthin decreased their risk of glaucoma by 30 to 40%. And now there's some research on that. Not that if you have glaucoma, you should stop taking your, your glaucoma drops and just eat fruits and vegetables. We're not saying that you have to take your drops if you have glaucoma, we know the drops worse work but we mm -hmm. want to do things that we could decrease the risk. And it just makes healthy. It may make sense that if you eat healthy and you eat healthy things, you're going to decrease your risk of a lot of diseases, you know, not, you know, from the toe bone to the eye bone, mm -hmm. but talk about some of the research about glaucoma, because this is a new research yeah. and cognitive function because the, the, the optic nerve and the brain are basically the same thing mm -hmm. and how we could help in that area. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, if you look, there's a study that was done in, I believe it's 2013 in rhesus monkeys and finding out how lutein um, affects the brain and, you know, just seeing the amount of lutein that uh, goes into the brain and crosses the blood brain barrier, et cetera. Yeah, brain tissue is eye tissue. Glaucoma is very underserved, I have to say, in the nutritional arena. Um, and why should, I mean, it should be better served because there's, um, there's actually a big, uh, I believe it was Taiwan, a huge study of 75,000, if not more glaucoma patients finding high levels of co uh, comorbidities with health problems um, from hypertension to neurological dysfunctions, et cetera. So glaucoma, again, I mean, going back to what we were speaking about initially, it's an eye disease, but it, is it also a symptom, right? Uh, is it a, a symptom of something else? So of course we want to support the um, neurological system because it is a disease of the optic nerve. It's not a disease of eye pressure, right? Um, and things like lutein and lutein in particular, um, which are found to help with brain health and cognition, 
would be an easy extrapolation to really um, to give to our patients as, as a why not, uh, as the research increases, as the studies increase, because this will will be huge in the next five years, I feel. Glaucoma is going to get a lot more highlights in um, functional medicine. I My most recent um, uh, journal from the American Nutrition Association, which just hi highlights many different studies, two of the two, uh, two articles were about glaucoma. And that was not a typical, fi a typical finding I used to see in these journals. So Glaucoma will be up there with macular degeneration in terms of food, supplementation, um, finding out any type of um, really root causes, uh, as we were saying in functional medicine um, approach to all these types of eye diseases and um, chronic diseases. Recommend that most people take a supplement of uh, lutein, zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin on a regular basis. I mean, that question is a personal question. Um, I don't promote any companies per se, and I take it. Um, so, and I don't have any eye conditions as far as I know, and I eat very healthy. So, Absolutely. I think um, most of the population is lacking. We already know we're lacking in phytochemicals. We know we're lacking in lutein and zeaxanthin. We know we're in a rush rush type of environment where we don't take care of ourselves in terms of fruits and vegetables and other plant-based products, even herbs and seeds and spices. We don't use them enough anymore. We're not ancestral in the way that we eat. You know, I come from a culture that's very ancestral and I can't cook those foods. It takes all day. So that type of eating is not really common anymore. And if we can put the time in great um, and the nutritional value of our foods have gone down with pesticides and all of these other chemicals that we're seeing. So Supplementation in the lutein zeaxanthin uh, category, I feel is paramount. Um, and there's really no upper limit per se um, versus some other vitamins that we have to be more cognizant of. But yes, absolutely. I think, I think everyone needs it. Yeah, I mean, only, two, I think 2% of the population gets, I mean, I, I, I think the population only gets about two milligrams of lutein a day on the average pop, pop population. And I, I take a, uh, a carotenoid supplement of lutein, zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin every day. And uh, I think it's important for my patients because not only does it help and decrease the risk of cataracts, or we know those are the low hanging fruit, decrease the risk of cataracts and macular degeneration. Now we're learning about cognitive, cognitive function, how Absolutely. it's helpful. And, you know, it helps when you're looking at the computer, it decreases eye strain. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of good research that's coming out, really solid studies to show the benefit of, of taking these carotenoids. And unfortunately, the average person is not getting enough in their diet. Now you talked about uh, before curcumin. Tell us what curcumin is and how could that be helpful in the eye? Um, so curcumin gets interchanged with the word turmeric. So turmeric is the, 
the plant. Um, and it's a spice actually, or in many cultures uh, where they use the powder form. Um, so it's a plant, but curcumin is basically the active ingredient of turmeric. Um, curcumin is a type of um, phytochemical again, that really enhances things like antioxidants. Um, it's an anti, it's a very, very robust anti-inflammation uh, type of um, supplement if you take it as a supplement. Um, and it helps with different things with um, inflammation for the eye, as well as things like joints, uh, heart health. We even have a lot of studies on curcumin and gut health and how it helps the lining of the gut. The problem with curcumin is the absorption. So it is actually a fat soluble supplement. And a lot of patients might be taking some sort of curcumin brand, but the problem is, is the absorption of that supplement where we find that a pepper derivative actually enhances the absorption very, very high, to a very high level. So one thing with curcumin, you could be taking a lot of it, but you might actually not be getting it into the, the um, system of the body. So you really have to be cognizant of what type of form it's in. It has been in every ancestral diet in Asia, Middle East. Um, the problem is we don't use it enough. Again, going back to our conversation in our ancestral diet as the turmeric powders, which used to be in everything you ate, and we don't use it consistently. So um, the supplement form is much more powerful and more streamlined to get that anti-inflammatory. Um, it's even neuro, uh, helps with uh, cognition too um, for the body. Yeah, I mean, it was a study out of India and it showed that people from India had less Alzheimer's than people in, uh, in the West. And they mm -hmm. felt it was because of the curcumin or the turmeric in, in the diet. Now, curcumin is about four to 6% of the turmeric. Do you think it's important to have turmeric because there's other things in there besides curcumin or to actually take the extract out of it and just use the curcumin or use both or we really don't know? Um, the short answer to that is called food synergy. I don't know if you've heard of that. Food synergy, it's, you know, you know, having the whole of the plant versus parts and bits and pieces of it, you know, that get um, taken for a supplement. So synergies is very important. And that's one thing that we lack in a lot of societies now as we westernize our, our diets. So do I think both has both of them have value? Yes. And also, the one other thing that people don't really understand about vitamins, there's really two approaches. It's one is one is like a maintenance vitamin and one is a therapeutic. So I think if you're going in more of a therapeutic um, amount, curcumin will target things a little bit better. For example, if you had joint pain, back pain, um, and eating the plant-based, which is the whole plant, of course, for maintenance of life and, and prevention, I think that's great. So yes, the answer is both, but um, food synergy should never be forgotten. And uh, things go well together. They're supposed to balance each other. And that's how, how our environment or nature is made for things to complement each other um, because that's how we're, we eat naturally. So. Um, yes, I do believe that we, we should take both.
Now, you, uh, is there any studies uh, that are specific to the eye when it comes to curcumin or turmeric, or is it more just a or more of a generalized uh, reduction of uh, inflammation? Because we know inflammation is the core component of chronic disease, mm -hmm. and we're dealing with macular degeneration, especially. Uh, so, is there anything specific that has been published, or is it more of a, a general thought process? No, there's definitely publications and I can give you a list um, that I had in, a, in one or two of my um, uh, general lectures, but no, there are actual studies being put out for curcumin and how it's helping with certain eye conditions, reducing inflammation. Uh, this is not just a guess, uh, guessing game. It's, it's actually being published. And anything that you can remember offhand as far as curcumin in the eye that decreases, uh, that will decrease risk? Um, you mean the actual mechanism? Oh, no, the disease, you know, whether it's macular degeneration or cataracts or glaucoma. Yeah, no, it's, um, there's been, I, I actually have seen uh, studies with uh, dry eye, um, obviously going into anti-inflammatory, um, diabetic retinopathy I've seen. Um, I've even seen uh, glaucoma. So, so yes, there, there's a few out there. And remember, you know, we, we base our studies on sometimes we we're looking at major, major journals and things like that, but there's other journals that have some really solid studies like nutrients um, that put out information that are more nutrition centric that bring in the eye versus the other way around. And you mentioned resveratrol. Explain that and how we could use that to help us. Uh, resveratrol is another powerful phytochemical. We find it in the, um, the skin of the, uh, the grapes of, of a certain class of grapes, right? Um, and it became a big research, um, uh, research food because of the French. You know, it was about the French diet and how they drink red wine. Uh, which has resveratrol and why they have low incidence of chronic disease. So the highlight really became with the, uh, the French studies on why, uh, why the population was, had less chronic diseases and looking at resveratrol as a connection. Um, but now fast forward, there's a lot more connections with um, general antioxidants with, with resveratrol and how it's a really good... Um, quencher of reactive oxygen species um, and also in eye health, you know, so we were, we're thinking about it in terms of helping with circulation, right? Um, how can we help circulation to the eye for, for things like glaucoma? Um, so many, many things about resveratrol and eyes. I, I know Dr. Richard, he's really well-versed in resveratrol um, and he's done a lot of um, lectures on it. So it's a why not? Um, it, and, and a lot of these complement uh, or cocktail um, antioxidant uh, poly, um, phytochemical supplements may have that in them, where they put a mix of all of these um, phytochemicals so that you can kind of get a little bit of a cocktail of, of a bunch of different um, phytochemicals, which resveratrol is usually included. And is there anything... Any studies as far as specific to the eye that, that you know of? What part of the eye does it seem to help 
you know, obviously it makes sense that it would help the whole body, you know, anything mm -hmm. vascular. I know that Mark Houston, who's a functional medicine cardiologist, talks about how important it is for, for cardiovascular health. And Absolutely. he recommends 250 milligrams of trans resveratrol, you know, per day. But how about specifically for the eye? Obviously the eye is full of uh, capillaries and we're looking at those capillaries every day. Every time we look into the eye, or we, we image the eye. And as the technology is getting better, we can see now down to 10 to 8 microns, and we could really see changes in the capillaries. In fact, I did a study, and we we're able to see microaneurysms in the capillaries of the eye, and it was correlated with insulin resistance, which is the cause of uh, type 2 diabetes. So any recommendations as far as resveratrol, what part of the eye you think it, if it's anything specific to decrease the risk? And, uh, you know, and how do you recommend taking it? Um, with resveratrol, actually, the funny thing you brought up is insulin resistance. Um, diabetes uh, and eye care go hand in hand, right? Um, we know it's one of the number one causes of um, blindness. So things like resveratrol can help with va the vascular system, as we know, and can help promote antioxidants in the vascular system too. So wouldn't we want to complement that in our diabetics as well? So I would say for hands down, it's one of the major antioxidants that we have as a phytochemical that we have the most amount of research because this is the other problem with a lot of these phytochemicals. They're so new or some of them are just so newly researched that we don't actually even know where it goes, how it works. And as you said, resveratrol is one of the few that does have some, some solid research, not just in the eye, but general body um, health. So we almost have to pick and choose too what we can recommend at this point, because we are limited with what we can recommend with phytochemicals. Um, and again, going back to the synergy approach, Things complement each other where, you know, we, we go into the eye very one-dimensional, one which is obviously lutein and zeaxanthin, but we have to look at phytochemicals almost like as a family, because how do we usually eat? We eat as, as a family of foods. We have variety, it's called. We lack variety. So if we can recommend um, other phytochemicals such as resveratrol, such as quercetin, that's another one that I really love. Um, into this family of carotenoids, where is lutein and zeaxanthin? Again, we talk about it so much in eye care, and it is paramount because it's still lacking in the general American diet. We have to step back and talk about what we can give as a synergy, uh, as a complement to each other. So who's to say that um, one phytochemical doesn't help another phytochemical work better? So it's, it's kind of an all or all of them type of approach versus just one. I, I don't like to just say, just take this because I do want everyone to be well-balanced. And you mentioned quercetin, where, where do we find that? Quercetin is in um, a lot of citrus. Um, it's in actually a lot of uh, fruits and fruit skin. Um, it's, it's a little bit difficult to, it's not very soluble. Um, so it is a slightly difficult to dissolve in water, um, but it's, it's a, 
I call it my vitamin C on steroids to patients. And it helps really uh, complement vitamin C and even is probably even better of an antioxidant than vitamin C. It's been found to help with histamine release as well. So it's had a lot of highlights in the allergy community. Um, I actually recommend it to patients who have chronic allergic conjunctivitis um, because that is connected with general allergies. And usually these patients are suffering, as you know, allergies in general have been increasing as a society globally, um, you know, secondary to pollution and environmental factors and things that we probably don't even know. Um, so I, I love quercetin um, and uh, it's, it's one of those phytochemicals. Again, going back to, is it just one that I love? No, I, I try to complement a bunch of phytochemicals because they do all help each other. That brings us to one of your philosophies is eating the rainbow. Explain what that means. Um, the color of nature is the natural way that we, we eat. So, you know, when we look outside and we look at fruits and vegetables, they have different colors, right? And each one actually represents different um, properties that help the body for chronic disease or just general health. And it's almost like nature's medicine, the colors. So we have to come in with the philosophy of eating the rainbow and that goes into variety because certain foods have better amounts of certain phytochemicals as we had discussed. So, you know, the blues, uh, the purples, the red yellows, you know, um, and oranges in the carotenoid family. We even have um, the greens, obviously, which, which like chlorophyll right now is getting a lot of um, uh, recognition to be a very good um, uh, chelator. So eating the rainbow gives you a little bit of a checklist of a variety of your foods so that you can have a complement of these phytochemicals and a variety of these phytochemicals. So we've lost that. Um, and you could even have a rainbow tracker now. You could you can uh, highlight how many you ate in a day um, to keep track of, of if you're eating enough of these colored foods, naturally colored foods. Are you a, do you ever juice or use a blender? I think that's a, it's a, that's a funny question because I call it my medicinal smoothies. So um, that was one of my ways that's, that was a part of my path to healing. Um, I followed the medicinal smoothie, smoothies of Dr. Um, Terry Walls. And the smoothie to me became how I'm going to eat my medicine for the day. And that is a very good tool of getting this variety of these colors in one setting. Um, it's hard to chew salad. It's hard to you know, do that all day long. Um, chewing is difficult in general. And sometimes these phytonutrients uh, come out even better when they are pureed or um, cut up. So my life is a smoothie. Juicing, I don't do as much because I need that fiber. Another problem in the American diet is fiber. Um, fiber intake is usually less than 10, maybe 15 if you can get it daily and we want to hit 30 grams a day. So juicing, I lean a little against because um, you don't get as much of the fiber intake, but smoothies, yes. 
I love my smoothies. I even have a blue light smoothie that I, I wrote, wrote out to help with uh, carotenoids. Oh, you give us a little bit of what's in that. Um, some, some may find it a little uh, difficult, but the first thing I do for my blue light smoothies, I actually use slightly sauteed spinach. So I think everyone is always uh, putting raw items into these smoothies and juicing, et cetera. Um, and, you know, when you cook certain foods, you release those carotenoids. So I actually cook it a little bit before I put it in my smoothie and then you could re refrigerate it um, to release some of those carotenoids and also add fats. So a little bit of olive oil and that I actually put in the smoothie, um, heavy on the berries, um, so that, that's one of my main functions. My main targets is slightly cooked spinach in my blue light smoothie. Oh, and you talk about food density. Tell us about that. So, um, calories. So we've heard about calories and, um, we've been very manipulated by the food industry to only think about calories and what goes in out. Um, but the food makeup is something that's much more important to me because that's where we really get the improvement of health. You know, we've been, the, this country has been on a diet for how many years and how do we see chronic illness? It's not going down, it's going up. So this whole caloric food um, target is not working versus looking at foods as how can that food help me in terms of my nutri nutrient levels? So if we take out the calorie conversation and look at things that have a good amount of calorie, but with high density of nutrients versus just purely calories and not pay attention to the nutritional value, um, that's where the problem is right now. So we have to become more well-versed with understanding that nutrient uh, level in foods versus just the caloric level in foods. Talk to me about the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. Um, it's very simple. The environmental working group, nonprofit group, they announce every year uh, foods that have the highest amount of pesticides and chemicals and foods that have the lowest amount. And these are typically fruits and vegetables. It's a great way um, to really target what foods you want under the organic uh, category, especially financially, if that's an issue and you can't do organic for everything. So they had that top, uh, top choice for organic foods and basically the foods that have the least amount of exposure to pesticides. So it, it's a great tool because we also know about um, toxic load and detoxification. That's another stress on our bodies. Um, and that's a part of the functional medicine, uh, you know, um, approach too. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural and it's a good product. 
every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.